0: We think about
1: having a conversation most of us think about what we're gonna say or what what's being said and we really need to remember that listening and listening well is also a very important part of a problem-solving conversation Because so when I listen then I'm more prepared to negotiate and come up with a compromise that helps us keep on track so the what I've learned is that if I'm in a conversation And I am trying to be respectful and listen to the person that's talking, but I think of something I want to say, I don't listen nearly as well because now I'm trying to remember that. So what the next rule says to do is make sure you have paper and something to write with handy, because if you're in that situation where you're listening and you think of something you want to say, if you jot it down real quick, if you make a note to yourself, you can return to listening, listening well.
0: Welcome to the Divorce Roadmap series, comprised of 24 episodes designed to be your guide through each leg of the practical divorce journey. Be powerfully prepared as top experts in the field, advise you on each logistical stage from the agonizing question of should I stay or should I go through the complex legal, financial and parenting choices before you to your future plans for housing, budgeting and co-parenting post-divorce. Today's show is really powerful uh, because it's it's about those very early stages once you've, you uh, find yourself in the early stages of divorce. And one of the biggest challenges so many men and women face is how to live under the same roof with your soon to be ex. I had to do it for about three and a half years and have some stories I can tell. It can be like a minefield as you attempt to navigate the common living spaces, how to pay the household bills, how to negotiate hostile reactions and upset children and the tender topics of parenting and dating. And so we're going to touch on a bunch of these in the beginning of our show The most critical part of the show, however, is about the solution to this. And I'm really excited today to have our guest, Dr. Dan Thomason. With us. Dr. Dan is a licensed psychologist. He's a coach and author of He's Right, She's Right, a book that Dan's going to be offering to our listening audience. Dan lives in Hastings, Minnesota with his wife uh, and family, and he's worked with both married and divorcing couples for almost 30 years. And he believes in practical approaches to solving problems. And as you'll see today, he tries to bring humor into his work whenever possible. And Dan has a really interesting tool that he's gonna be sharing with us today. So welcome, Dan.
1: Thank you.
0: It's great to have you here today. I know that you have a lot of really powerful suggestions uh, to help people negotiate the stress of living under the same roof with their soon to be ex. Before we jump in, Dan, how did you can you just tell us a little bit about how you came to work with couples the way you do?
1: Yeah, I can. Um, I started out working with couples uh, in a clinic that uh, exclusively did work with couples, and he took a very behavioral approach. Over the course of my years, uh, I tried different approaches and found myself coming back to a very concrete and practical approach uh, with couples. I like to call myself a behaviorist when uh, we're outcomes are concrete and measurable. So when I was working with couples over the years, I found that uh, people process emotions and information differently. Some people process them internally and some people process them externally and that can lead to complications when you're having highly emotional and um, challenging conversations. So the tool uh, I came up with was to help even the playing field when there's differences of how people are wired
0: which is so perfect for our audience today. And so let's let's take a few minutes to just elaborate on what we're talking about in terms of the, the challenges that you folks who are listening are facing, and then we'll get into the solution. We're gonna start with those of you who have uh, children and the challenge of co-parenting and separately, the challenge of negotiating uh, your children and what their emotional reactions are to the divorce are huge as you're all living under the same roof. Custody while living under the same roof, having different approaches to the problems that arise when you're in a uh, Uh, an atmosphere where there tends to be more blame and accusation than normal, Uh, children acting out as a result of their own emotional stress and worry and upset about what's going on, and... um, Parents' difficulty in reining in, and I'm sure you'll relate to this, those of you who are listening, reining in your opinion of the other parent in front of the kids are, are some of the challenges um faced around children and co-parenting. And Dan, I know that you can jump in and talk a little bit about this. I do want to mention that that I, I spoke about this first because it's such a huge issue. And I just want to note that we're going to touch on the topic of children and co-parenting right now, uh, but make sure to stay tuned for our next two shows because we're having two amazing child experts on that are going to share vital tips and strategies around and healthy parenting and how to support your children through the season. But Dan, do you want to jump in and say anything about that particular topic of children and co-parenting?
1: Well, just that, as you mentioned, it can become very, uh, very challenging with different opinions and, and potential hostility and things that are going on under this circumstance. It just, all I was going to say is that it just really becomes uh, even more important to have a structured way to approach these uh, challenging conversations,
0: and and I think that that's that's what that's the the theme that you're going to hear as we just talk about the challenges is the solution to every challenge is going to begin with how you communicate with each other and that's what we're going to be diving into in just a few minutes. Another challenge is just sharing that common living area. I found that when I was going through my divorce, uh, uh, being on the first floor where the living room, dining room, kitchen was, was uh, that was the minefield because if somebody was upset and and the children were around it was just easy for things to flare and arguments to happen and even you know something basic like uh the kitchen and who's cooking or who's keeping it clean or who's not keeping it clean and just the slightest thing because everyone's a little bit of a walking raw nerve during this time and then there's um, finances, right? Uh, and I know that in in the best case scenario, we can have some challenges with uh, dealing with our spouse in terms of paying bills, when to pay them, how to pay them, how to keep them down, uh, how to negotiate. In this case, shared uh, shared bills and finances, and avoiding meltdowns and blame and accusation over finances, because finances, as we also know, is just such a uh, a trigger point and a hotbed for arguments, uh, especially during the divorce stage. And then we have dating. I have a client who... Uh, he, he was living under the under the same roof with his soon-to-be ex, and she he would find her himself seeing her getting all dolled up and excited about going out, and the difficulty of not reacting and not saying something nasty or demonizing her or engaging the children in it was really really difficult, and and how to discuss sensitivity around. Um, How to handle that and at least ask for what you want and what you believe your children need, whether or not the other person is going to abide, comes back to the conversations. Uh, And then finally... Um, And and not that this is, you know, this is not a limited list, but the other thing that came to mind for me is I have a couple of clients living under the same roof where they're they're selling the house and, you know, what do we do to get it prepared? And is one person wanting to spend more money than the other? And how about even having it set up for people who want to come in? Is it being kept clean? Um, uh, When are we going to show it? How are we going to show it? When do we start this process? And because everything's moving and changing, uh, when you're selling your home or discussing that at the same time, it's like the ground underneath you is being pulled down. So there could just be a tremendous amount of emotions and triggers around that topic. Uh, is there, is there anything else you wanted to jump in and add to that list, Dan, at this point?
1: Um, Not that I can think of. I I think that uh, you you mentioned it's not an exhaustive list, but uh, good, good examples of the kind of challenges.
0: Yeah, and before we jump into our solution, our key solution, I do want to say that Uh, if you've been listening, uh, We Journey Beyond Divorce has that 12-step divorce recovery series. And in the early stages, one of the things and as we go through this show, I I invite you and encourage you to raise your awareness to what's going on around you and especially how you are being, how how are you thinking, how are you reacting, how are you engaging during this time on any of those fronts that we talked about and the second thing I want to invite you to do is notice your level of acceptance because one of the things uh, that happens is that people um, you could be living with your soon-to-be ex who has always done this particular thing and yet you find yourself saying I can't believe you're doing that but they've been doing that for so long, or you've been reacting a certain way for so long. So really bring your awareness and watch your level of acceptance as we talk about these things, because those are really key. And the 12-step series gives you 12 steps like awareness and acceptance to help you to negotiate the emotions. Today, we're going to talk very specifically about something tangible um, and detailed. And if you don't have a pen and paper, grab one because there's a number of steps to uh, Dr. Dan's um, tool. He has a structured conversation tool that we're going to be touching on. It's a blueprint for problem-solving conversations, and it's really going to help you wherever you're at in this process. So, so, Dan, before we jump into any of the details about the structured conversation tool, uh, why why did you come up with this why is it important to to have this a structure
1: well when i uh, have been working with couples over the years it- it occurred to me that every conversation reduces down to two least common denominators, which are structure, which are basically the rules we're trying to follow while we're having a conversation with someone, and the content. So the structure is nothing more than uh, me trying to not interrupt you, me trying not to roll my eyes or or have audible gasps, uh, things like that. So When we don't realize we have these rules and the other person has their own set of unspoken rules, we're inevitably going to break a rule that the other person has, which then gets the conversation to start talking about how we're having the conversation instead of the content and then that just leads to argument after argument and couples just end up not being able to get anywhere so the structured conversation tool came from having both people following the same set of rules
0: you know that makes so much sense and if you're listening and and you find yourself smiling because that's exactly what happens I remember so often we would end up arguing about how we were trying to communicate or how the other person was doing it wrong, right? And I, I, I think what you just said about having these unspoken rules, uh, we all come to the table thinking, you know, well, this is how we should do it. This is how it should unfold. And so the whole concept of beginning with, uh, Can we agree on how to go forward makes so much sense?
1: Yeah, exactly. And um, another thing I wanted to say about that is that. People, I mentioned earlier how people are wired different, so an example of how this tool helps even the playing field is that if I'm an external processor, which I am, and my wife is an internal processor, which she is, by the way, that's an exception to the rule because, generally speaking.
0: <laughs> it's the other way around.
1: Yes, exactly. So um, an example Would be that if if I'm sitting down trying to have a conversation with my wife um, and I start talking, I might cover several different points while she's listening. And then when it's her turn to talk, she might... uh, internal processors talk like a video buffers on a computer they put a few sentences out there but then they kind of have to stop and process a little bit more well if I'm external I'm thinking she's pausing and I'm waiting for a pause so I don't interrupt and so I start talking well then she wasn't done with her thought yet and she gets frustrated so that's just an example of how having a tool uh, evens the playing field for people that are wired differently. You know it's
0: it's funny that you use that example I had a client who a very high conflict divorce, and she was an external processor. And she also um, struggled with a little bit of ADD. Um, And what would happen is as she was talking out loud, her soon to be ex would assume that what she was saying was her decision or her belief when she was and because I worked with her so long, I could see that she just needed to talk it through and she could actually go through a couple of different possibilities and beliefs. And so it it created so much additional conflict for them.
1: Exactly. Yep. exactly.
0: And so if we so we're going to go through these and see. And what I want to say before we start is. I came from a high conflict divorce, and so I tend to, to always wanna bring that piece of it into the conversation. The tools that we're about to talk about, the steps are incredibly helpful. However, sometimes what happens is when you hear something that can't work for you, you shut down. And what I want to suggest is there may be there may be points that we make that you just know that's just never going to work with the person that I'm engaging with. So two things. One is. some of the tips will work. And so listen for what will work and definitely uh, put those into action. And and then for the points that won't work with your soon to be ex, they can still work for you. And Dan and I were Dr. Dan and I were talking about this beforehand. Even if one person begins to abide by these rules as much as you can, it's going to help. And so no matter how high conflict or no matter how difficult your soon-to-be ex might be in terms of communicating, uh, this can still be incredibly valuable for you. And we're acknowledging ahead of time that it's just going to be, uh, it's going to fit better for, for some people than for others. So, in order to um, agree to some rules, you need to communicate. In order to communicate, you want the content of what you're communicating to be front and center rather than the arguments over the process and the structure. So, let's start at the beginning, Dan. What's your first, what is the first rule in your structured conversation? The first rule is
1: knowing what types of topics have led to conflict in the past and. And when to use the structured conversation tool is really for problem-solving conversations, especially when there's negative emotions associated to the topic. So the first rule just says, know when to use the tool. If it has a track record of leading to conflict or a conversation takes a negative emotional turn.
0: Okay, so that's, I'm almost chuckling as you say that. So I think that me and most of the listeners are going, okay, well, that's most conversations. Um, (laughs) So especially- Under this circumstance- Absolutely. Right. Under this circumstance, you're living with your soon to be X, there's going to be there's going to be rubs. There's going to be disagreement. So let's say I'm going to amend Dr. Dan's rule and let's say whenever you have to discuss something where you have to come to agreement or set certain rules up with your soon to be X, what follows is probably going to be really valuable. Our listeners often share that they've been on the fence about leaving their difficult marriage for far too long. What about you? Are you walking on eggshells, constantly trying to make sense of your spouse's black and white thinking, revisionist history, endless blame and accusation? Have you lost your voice, your self-confidence, even your belief that a better life is available for you? Imagine for a moment Entering your divorce unflustered by your spouse's recriminations, certain of your legal rights, crystal clear on your next steps and secure in your support team. How would it be to feel guided and supported to create, practice and implement a bulletproof plan to leave your marriage with grace and dignity? If this sounds like what you need to finally get unstuck, go to journeybeyonddivorce.com and learn more about our Get Off the Fence program. You can even book a call with a coach to ensure that this is the right program for you. So you had told me that um, a distraction-free environment is important. Can you elaborate a little bit on that?
1: Yep, that's rule number two. Um, make sure that you have a distraction-free environment as much as possible. Um, <clears throat> in this situation, you know you don't want you don't want to try to have one of these conversations when the kids are around, or if somebody's going to be preoccupied by and, and, and otherwise disrespectful, being on their telephone or something like that. It just really helps keep the focus on the content of the topic that you've chosen to discuss and problem solve.
0: And, and as I listen to that, just, just to be able to start and say, Hey, you know, let's agree that, uh, we'll have this conversation, you know, we're, we're clearly not getting along, but that we'll leave our cell phones in the other room or, you know, we'll do it when the kids are at school or at camp or whatever the case may be. So that's just that's 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 such a great first step. And you could imagine all the conflict that would just come up around that, you know, uh, if you didn't do that
1: right and what you were saying earlier karen about how um in a hostile situation the level of cooperation might be a challenge in and of itself and so um the person who's wanting to follow the rules and can actually get some benefit out of following them i had mentioned um the the rolling of the eye and the audible gasp as being part of the rules to follow but the flip side of those rules is that if you have somebody roll their eyes my rule to follow is ignore rolling of the eyes if somebody does have an audible gasp or say something rude my rule is to ignore those things because ignoring allows the conversation to progress
0: You know, that's that's and that brings us back to my earlier point of be aware of how your soon to be ex reacts and how you react. And you know, there's a saying be accepting and expecting. And so with the rolling of the eyes or the gasp or the, whatever that might be, that typically triggers you to bring your awareness and know, okay, when we have these conversations, he or she tends to do these things. And to Dr. Dan's point, I'm going to stay on, I'm going to stay on topic. I'm not going to be distracted by, you know what may seem like condescension or accusation or or belittling or whatever it might feel like to you that to just be able to say I'm going to put up a boundary and I am not going to engage in that I'm going to stay the course with the topic that I want to uh, that's on the table yeah exactly love that so then the next one you have uh, has to do with timing and um, and and having a pen and paper can you elaborate a little been
1: on that yes absolutely um when we talk when we think about having a conversation most of us think about what we're going to say or what what's being said and we really need to remember that listening and listening well is also a very important part of a problem solving conversation because when i listen then i'm more prepared to negotiate and come up with a compromise that helps us keep on track so the what I've learned is that if I'm in a conversation, And I am trying to be respectful and listen to the person that's talking, but I think of something I want to say, I don't listen nearly as well because now I'm trying to remember that. So what the next rule says to do is make sure you have paper and something to write with handy because if you're in that situation where you're listening and you think of something you want to say, if you jot it down real quick, if you make a note to yourself, you can return to listening well.
0: And, you know, I think that it's just so typical, especially when we're in conflict, that as soon as the person says something that we don't agree with, we're like creating a retort in our head. And while we're doing that, we're no longer listening so, right. so that one makes so much sense. The other thing I want to point out is uh, I, I married a fellow who, you know, bless his soul, he's just incredibly verbose. And and I knew that I knew that from from the first time that I had you know, met him. And yet when we got divorced, we would try and have these conversations and he would just go on monologuing and uh, an agreement like this uh, that talked about having a timer would have been so helpful because maybe I am more of that internal processor and he was an external processor, perhaps on steroids, and it created so many difficulties. So so if that's something that you're dealing with, you know, this as you're listening, this is a really helpful tip. The other thing that I just want to throw in, I had read it in. um, I'm forgetting the author of the book, but it's called The Relationship Handbook. And one of the wonderful tips that that this author had given was you always listen for what you disagree with and he suggests rather than doing that listen for the agreement so that you can build upon where you agree so if you're talking about the kids you may have different ways of solving a problem but you might both agree that they need to be responsible or respectful or or you know that you're trying to raise them to be a certain so you focus on that and then you build from that so i'm just throwing that in as another great tip in that listening and conversation part
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: You've been listening to our podcast, getting educated, regulating your emotional reactions, and it's been really helpful. Yet, you know, you could do better, be better, and you're wanting and needing more support. That's where our coaching service is a game changer. We're here for you when you need us the most, ensuring you have all the tools and resources at your fingertips, guiding and supporting you to be more effective. Our free rapid relief call helps you gain a broader perspective, commit to your best next steps, and determine what coaching support is right for you. Visit rapidreliefcall.com to book your call today. One of the things you had talked about, um, which, um, uh, was about deciding, uh, deciding who begins. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Typically, typically the person who's more motivated to have the conversation or um, thought of the topic for the conversation, typically that person would go first. But as you you, uh, are reminding us that there's so much hostility sometimes in these situations that... um, Their argument can occur just by trying to figure out who's going to go first in the structured conversation so um, if it gets to that point I encourage people to just flip a coin if you know you need to have the conversation but neither of you are wanting to get in an argument about who's going to start then just make it completely objective and flip a coin
0: easy enough You talk about using a timer and I know we talked earlier, but, um, oh, I guess that was the, 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 the permission to leave, which I was talking to you about, uh, the whole idea of ending the conversation. I have a note here for myself. One of the things, um, that I found was I, I would be, um, I would feel like I was being held hostage because, my my ex still had things to say and and i needed to disengage and i didn't want to just walk away or hang up the phone and and yet i i literally couldn't and sometimes today still can't um no matter how much i invite him to to stop i can't and uh And so, you know, I'm seeing this as something I I believe I, I need to begin to use right away, which is whenever we get on the phone to be able to have some agreement around how long we're going to be talking so that... He still may not stop talking, but it's almost that permission to leave the conversation because there was an agreement and and now the other person's breaking the agreement. So I think that, you know, if that resonates with anyone else, I know that for me it's it's I'm I'm 10 years post-divorce. It's probably the thing I have the most difficulty with is is that I can't. I can't cordially end the conversation, um, and and while I still might not be able to, just having that agreement might uh, just help me feel a little bit better about taking care of myself because the boundary's been agreed to, and then if it's broken, it's not it's not on me to to stay there. So, is there anything that we uh, that we um, did we touch on all the points to the structured conversation?
1: Um, we did. And uh, what, what I thought of while I was listening to you was that in these situations where um, you're living under the same roof with your soon-to-be act... Um, finding a time to have a structured conversation might be a challenge and it might actually work out better if you could arrange that on a given day at a given time each week is when you're going to sit down and have a conversation. Because then if you get that agreement, you it doesn't matter um, what has transpired in terms of uh, snide remarks and things you're still gonna agree to sit down at that time
0: and when arguments come up during the course of the week instead of getting into it especially in front of the kids you, you know you have permission to say We're, let's that's an important topic to both of us let's talk about it you know in our Friday conversation and, uh, yep, and, exactly. and, and stunt an argument that might happen right then and there. Yeah. You had another great suggestion in terms of, like, keeping conflict to a minimum, and uh, that had to do with a code word. Can you talk to our listeners a little oh. bit about that? Right,
1: yes. So <clears throat> the use of a code word um, is, like, For example, if you're having a structured conversation and you're wanting to figure out a way to um, deal with a specific situation, you can attach a whole meaningful thought and tell the person that you're trying to negotiate this uh, dynamic with, tell them, when I say this... This is what I want you to understand. I'm meaning. And it can, so you don't have to repeat it over and over and it and it sends a respectful message. I like what you've been saying all along, Karen, and that's how try to keep it positive, you know, try to um, focus on things you can agree with. And if we take that role, and then we want to be able to use it in a potentially um, hostile situation in order to abort that, a code word can be helpful sometimes.
0: Can you give an example of that? I'm trying to think of something and I'm having a hard time, so that might be helpful for everyone listening too. Sure, sure. I
1: mentioned earlier, I'm an external processor and my wife's an internal processor. So um, I get up in the morning and see her off because she leaves before I do. And then I handle getting the kids to their different places before I head off and um, so I'll get up sometimes she gets up two and a half hours early but I still get up I like to you know help her out get her stuff ready get her in the car you know and say goodbye and she says thank you and after a while I mentioned to her so babe um, how much do you actually like it That I do this And because I'm thinking maybe Hey I really appreciate it That you get up with me I like it um, I know you don't have to But you do And she says Yeah I think all those things She says I say thank you <laughs> so, so I write that and there I said so So what i was supposed to understand Is you mean all this When you say thank you to me in the morning She goes yeah. So that's an example of our code word and how we came up with it for an internal processor and external processor. Is,
0: is there, is there something that's a little more conflict oriented that you've, you've oh. seen any of your, because I, well, I appreciate that. I think that it's, it's not quite resonating as much as maybe Sorry. giving us something. No, 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 that was okay. great. Um, but do you have something that maybe one of your, um, your couples have used that would that would um, fit for something more conflict-oriented?
1: Yeah, so the one couple that I'm thinking of right now, they were in this situation under the same roof and um, as pursuing a divorce. And <clears throat> they would um, deal with the kids in a common space, just like you've mentioned. And when there was... Um, uh, a need to defer, uh, he he was the broken hearted one and um, he would uh, notice her behavior as hurtful and we just came up with how he would try to work popcorn into a sentence uh, if the kids were around or whatever and then she would know that they needed to just kind of separate for a while.
0: That he was being triggered.
1: Yes, exactly. And that was how he let her know that
0: so there you go so that one that one to me that that resonates more so if you're and that's a great example because it's generic enough so if you're in the same space and you're being triggered and you want to let let your soon-to-be ex know or anything you know whatever whatever your thing is uh, to, to come up with a word and, and you're not just saying fiddlesticks out of no place you're actually working something into a sentence especially if there are little ears around so that it um, it's not so obvious. So I like that a lot. Okay. Yep. Uh, we talked about just a couple of other things. We talked early on, and I just want to reiterate it because I think it's really important, you know, what to ignore or avoid, which Dr. Dan had said, the eye rolling or the heavy size, or, you know, you may have a case where someone, you know, has you're you're soon-to-be ex, um, or you might, you know, be snide, be sarcastic, be a little condescending, uh, avoid doing it and avoid reacting to. It it is, is really going to take you a long way. And then the other one that we mentioned a few times that I want to highlight is uh, bringing defenses down the quickest way if you want to have a conversation, especially if you're soon to be ex is uh, angry or defensive, is to be able to acknowledge and validate. And what I mean by that is certainly Dr. Dan said earlier, if you agree on something to be able to say, you know, I agree, I understand, you're right, like anything positive, like that. However, even if you don't agree with what their thought is, there's something hugely powerful in acknowledging people's emotions. And so whatever your soon to be ex is upset about, it makes sense. And this is your statement. It makes sense that you are upset given the way you're looking at it. So they may have a story about why you did something or how you did something or how it was like wronging them. Given that 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 that's the way they're looking at it, it makes sense that they're upset simply be by acknowledging somebody's feelings. You know, I, I can hear that you're really angry and And it makes sense, given how you thought this went down. Can I share with you my perspective? Um, Can I share with you what actually happened? So just anything where you can understand uh, even, even something as simple as I hear you. It's actually something I use with my teenagers a lot when I very much disagree with them and they're telling me what they feel. And I I just, I hear you. I totally hear where you're coming from. And it's a way for them to feel like, okay, I'm being heard. And then we can engage in my varying perspective from theirs. Is there anything else that you would like to any parting uh, words of wisdom or thoughts that you would like to share with our listeners just everything that you've been saying and
1: I I call it the stay positive philosophy um, and listening just remember that listening is as important as what you're saying in a conversation just all those things we've been talking about
0: and uh, do you have something um, that our listeners can can get off of your website? Would you like to share how they can reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely. So my website
1: is Dr. Dan Thomason. That's D-R D-A-N-T-H-O-M-A-F-O-N dot com. And on my website, on the home page down at the bottom, I have a PDF file uh, of my book called He's Right, She's Right, a Blueprint for Problem-Solving Conversations. And you can either open that in a PDF file and read it uh, electronically, or you can print it out or however you prefer.
0: So what was the tagline, He's Right, She's Right, and then what's the tagline of the book?
1: A blueprint for
0: problem-solving
1: conversations.
0: Yeah, I think we all need that. Um, <laughs> so, so that's great. Dr. Dan, thank you so much. Really, I, I think that those were such great tips, and I hope that everyone who's listening is walking away with a handful full of new um, rules and guidelines that can help you negotiate this difficult time. group programs online courses and free resources stay tuned for our next episode and i'll talk to you soon